Uh, if you guys have your Bibles tonight, you can turn with me to Jonah. Jonah chapter 2. And if you guys need a Bible too, we have Bibles. Um, so raise your hand if you need a Bible. I know we have some in back. Jonah chapter 2 in the Old Testament is where we'll be. And maybe just uh, thinking to yourself tonight, I wonder if you know, like off the top of your head, just kind of thinking to yourself, what are some things I know I couldn't live without? Um, We all have some things I think we know we would say, like water, obviously, Uh, food, we need food, we need air, oxygen, yes, Uh, sleep, most of us would say we probably need the internet too, right? And then there's those things that you like specifically need in your life, like um, I know some of you guys like have that pet cat, um, Fluffy, that like you're just like, I need Fluffy in my life. Uh, There's also like ice cream. Some people are ice cream lovers. I can't live without ice cream. Your ripstick scooter. There's some things that we we know we can't live without. Like we need these things in our life. But then there's also those things. Things in our life that uh, we don't know that we need. Even though we need it. I think of uh, that story of that baby who you know, like is at the zoo and, and he goes in somehow into the cage with the tiger and he has no idea what kind of danger he's in. But the mom right behind him, she knows. She knows how much he needs to be saved. And so you see that video of the mom just like saving her son from the, from the tiger cage, like really like a really dangerous spot. She risks everything to save Uh, This child that needs to be saved, even though he didn't know it. Uh, Maybe you saw that video that was going around a while back where uh, there's this lady and and up on like kind of the shelf of her um, fence, the top of her fence is like a bear and the bear's just like about to attack her dogs in her backyard. I think I have a picture of it. I don't have the video, but basically this bear is like kind of right there on her fence and I kind of looked up what this lady said about it, what happened. Her, her name's Haley. She's 17. She said this way, I saw a bear, and it's grabbing my dog, and I, have, I just realized I have to run over there. Uh, she's a baby, this little dog, this precious dog, and the first thing I think to do is just to push the bear away. And somehow it worked. Uh, this girl, Haley, was actually okay, and she saved her dogs that didn't even know that they were in great danger. They needed saving. Don't do that. That's a bad idea, by the way. (laughs) But it's also actually true for us spiritually. And there's a lot of people out there that don't even know how much they need to be saved. How much we all need to be rescued. If you're a Christian, you've found this. You know this to be true. That we need saving. And our story tonight shows us about a man who came to know how much he needed to be saved, how much he needed to be rescued. And he came to see who it was who could save him, the only one that could save him. A big idea from Jonah tonight is is that salvation comes from the Lord. It's a very simple thought, that salvation comes from the Lord. And we're going to read in chapter 2 here, 
starting in verse 1 of chapter 2. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God, from the stomach of the fish. And he said, I called out of my distress to the Lord, and he answered me. I cried for help from the depth of Sheol. You heard my voice. For you had cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the current engulfed me. All your breakers and billows passed over me. So I said, I have been expelled from your sight. Nevertheless, I will look again toward your holy temple. Water encompassed me to the point of death. The great deep engulfed me. Weeds were wrapped around my head. I descended to the roots of the mountains. The earth with its bars was around me forever. But you have brought up my life from the pit. O Lord, my God. While I was fainting away, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came to you into your holy temple. Those who regard vain idols forsake their faithfulness, but I will sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving, that which I vowed I will pay. Salvation is from the Lord. Then the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah up onto dry land. Let's pray together. Lord God, we know that we're praying to the God that Jonah prayed to from the belly of a fish. And we know that you uh, know everything about us and that you uh, have had this amazing plan to save sinners. And so, Lord, I pray that you would show us more of who you are, even as we read your word tonight. Uh, In your spirit's name, in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Uh, If you were with us the last time we were in Jonah, it's been a couple weeks. You'll remember from chapter 1 that Jonah was a prophet who spoke for God. And Jonah, in the opening of of this book, you might think is going to go obey God, do what uh, God had called him to do. However, we find pretty quickly that Jonah was not a hero. In fact, when God had given Jonah instructions to go to preach to the wicked city of Nineveh to call them to repent, Jonah did exactly opposite of what God called him to do. Uh, What we probably would have expected Jonah to do, Jonah goes the other direction to Tarshish. Instead of running to obey God and follow after what God told him to do, he decided to get out of town and to get far away, as far away as possible from God, it says in in Jonah 1. In fact, uh, verse 3 of chapter 1, it says that uh, Jonah wanted to get away from the presence of the Lord. Jonah had heard God's will, uh, God's instructions for his life, what he was supposed to do, and Jonah disagreed. And he said, I'm not going to do that. And so he disobeyed. And chapter 1 shows us the results of Jonah disobeying God. It It's just a downward spiral that he's disobeyed God. And so he's found himself in in this boat and there's a great storm that's risen up. And in order to correct Jonah, God has has put this storm in the path of Jonah's way. And so Jonah has come and and really been confronted by these uh, sailors And they've come to realize that this is God that that caused this storm and that they needed to throw Jonah over. 
because God was after Jonah. And here tonight, Jonah is now in the waters. He's been thrown overboard and he's sinking down deep into the sea. And it's interesting here in this book, the story kind of stops all of a sudden. There's kind of a pause that gets put on. And we're pulled aside to basically hear a prayer that Jonah has written. A prayer from Jonah in the belly of a fish. And it's a prayer that, as he pulls aside, sort of just makes us stop and think about who God is. To learn about what God's doing here. And to think about how God is a God who saves. A God of salvation and love. And so Jonah wrote down this prayer here for us. And notice where he's praying from. It says in chapter 1, verse 17, that God has appointed a great fish to swallow Jonah. He's praying from the belly of a giant fish. It's amazing to think about. To be in the belly of a fish had to be super stinky, dark. It couldn't have been fun. Definitely not a good day, right? But he's been swallowed and... And so here he prays to God and he shows that salvation, his, uh, his hope is in God alone. And I think there's two uh, points that we can see here tonight that kind of stand out. And first, uh, we see Jonah's distress. Jonah's distress. Verse 1 says, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the stomach of the fish. It's hard like I said, to imagine just like how nasty that would be. We can't really fathom what that's like. We can only imagine that it'd be just an awful place to be. Probably the worst experience that Jonas ever had in his life and ever would have. The Bible doesn't tell us exactly what kind of fish this is, uh, but we know from these verses uh, that Jonah was not in a good state. He was in deep distress. It was the hardest day of his life. And it says in verse 2 of chapter 2 that Jonah calls out in distress to the Lord. And he uh, says that he called out from the depth of Sheol. Jonah is basically calling out from death, from certain death. He's about to die. From a place of absolute anguish and helplessness. In verse 3, Jonah says, the real problem, though, is not just that he's been thrown out into the water, but that he has a problem with God. It's not ultimately those sailors that have, have put him in this spot. It's, look what he says in verse 3, for you, speaking to God, God is the one that has cast him in to the deep. Obviously, things aren't going well with God. And he knows that it's God's breakers and billows at the end of verse 3 that have passed over him. That's God's water and God's waves that, that's causing this storm and this trial in Jonah's life. Jonah knows that he has uh, basically disobeyed God and he's very aware of it. He knows his relationship with God is broken. He had ignored God and he had sinned and tried to run away from God's presence in his life. And 
Now he's been pushed to the point where he can't ignore God anymore. He knows that things are not going well with God. This is a terrible place to be. I'm reminded of Proverbs 13, 15, which says that the way of the transgressor is hard. Psalm 16 says that the sorrows of those who go for other gods will be multiplied. They'll have many sorrows. The transgressor's path, the sinner's path, those who reject God are going to have a hard path. And I think that's exactly where Jonah is. He's found that his sin has led him to many sorrows. To do your own thing, to go after your own way, instead of what God has said is the best way for your life, doesn't bring joy. In fact, it it can't bring any joy, ultimately. Any joy that would last. In fact, trying to live apart from God's presence, Jonah learns, in the end, it's just going to bring him distress and it's going to bring death and disaster. Proverbs tells us that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. If you want to live life the right way, it starts with fearing God. And I think that's exactly the opposite of what Jonah's done. He's pretended like God doesn't even exist in his life. And so he's found himself in a terrible spot. He's found himself basically in disaster and judgment. And that disaster started right from the beginning of the book. Uh, when Jonah went down to Joppa, he, it says he went down away from God. And then it says that he went down into the ship. And then it says that he went down, basically thrown into the sea. And then verse 5 of chapter 2 tells us that Jonah went down to the great deep. He was at the lowest point he could be away from God. Weeds are wrapped around his head and he's basically descended to what he calls the pit. Almost death. His life apart from God has gone step by step down, down, down. It's a spiral. And I think if you ask any Christian, basically who's walked with God for any amount of time, they will tell you that life without God, that life going away from God, is going to be a downward spiral. That's how it looks when you run from God. Life without God brings you no joy, ultimately. It brings you no peace. It brings you basically to death. And Jonah's life was running away from God, and it's all been downward, this spiral out of control, and he's away from God's presence leading to death. But just when we start to think Jonah might have no hope at all, when he's lost all hope, he turns to the right place, and he turns to the right person. And Jonah repents. He turns to God and he calls to God, it says again and again in these verses. Verse 4, Jonah prays to God. He says, I've been expelled, put away from your sight. Nevertheless, I will look again toward your holy temple. Jonah changed his sight away from self and on to God. 
he decided he would follow God. He would turn to God and he would cry out to God in distress. When he prayed to God's temple, that was basically longing for God's presence in his life. God's presence was uh, symbol, uh, symbolized by the temple. And so in the worst of circumstances, Jonah looks to God and he realizes something amazing. God was there. God was there, even in this terrible situation. That's how God is. He's there in the worst distress. He's there in in the hardest days when you feel like you don't have any other hope. God is there. God is there. King David in Psalm 139 says, Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, behold, God is there. God, he says, even is there in the remotest part of the sea. There's nowhere we can hide from God. He is present. And he hears those who call to him. And Jonah on that day, in the belly of a fish, when he had messed everything up in his life, called to God and experienced that God would hear him. He came to see that God is totally aware of every difficulty, of every distress in your life. He is most aware of our need for salvation. And here's what's amazing. God heard him in that place in the ocean. Jonah found that God would rescue him, which leads us to number two, God's deliverance. God's deliverance. At some point, Jonah's praying and and God sends a way for him to be saved, a fish to rescue him. It might be hard to imagine, but if, you know, if you're studying, I guess it's actually very rare uh, that somebody would be swallowed by a fish. That doesn't happen very often, but it can happen. It's been recorded in history that somebody would be swallowed by like a whale. And it was actually earlier this year that there was a man, this like lobster diver who was in uh, off the coast of Cape Cod in Massachusetts. And he was reportedly swallowed by a fish for 30 seconds. And he has a testimony of what it was like to be in this fish. He said he was just going about his normal business on his second dive of the day as a lobster diver. And here he is in the water. And all of a sudden, he says, I was descending and I got to the bottom about 35 feet down. And I just got hit by what felt like a freight truck, he says. It was a loud bang. And all of a sudden, everything instantly went dark. This guy describes this as realizing that he was moving really fast, almost like being in a submarine. And he first said, I thought I was being eaten by a shark, but then he realized that, no, I haven't been bitten. There's no strong teeth here. And then he realizes, I've been swallowed by a whale whole. I think I have a picture of him there. Thankfully, this man survived, and he lived to tell what it was like to be swallowed by a whale. 
And his friends actually saw as this whale came up on the shore and, or up on the surface of the water and, and spit him out. And the first thing he said was, I just got swallowed by a whale. <laughs> That's what Jonah experienced. It gives us some idea of what it would have been like for three days and three nights. God sent a whale to save him. And Jonah tells us that as he did this, there's a reason why. Why God did this. Because at the end of verse 6 it says, But you have brought my life up from the pit, O Lord my God. While I was fainting away, I remembered the Lord and my prayer came to you into your holy temple. Jonah had reached the bottom of his descent. He'd gone down really far. And he was at basically the doors of death. He was hopeless. And he thought he lost everything. Until that moment, he prayed to God and God brought his life up. He saved him from the depths of despair. He saved him. And God, in his power through a fish, when Jonah almost died, made a way for Jonah to be saved. Verse 8, Jonah says that those who regard vain idols forsake their faithfulness. People who go after other gods will find that those gods don't hear them. They don't answer. And there's a lot of gods that our world looks to to be saved, to be rescued. Jonah found that there was only one that could truly save him, that could truly rescue him and, and bring him out of this distress, out of this darkness, who could make him right with God again. And that was God himself. He says at the end of verse 9, salvation is from the Lord. Salvation means that God rescues God saves. God is the God, the one true God who saves. The same God that Jonah experienced on that day is the same God who still saves today. And it tells us in the Bible later in the book of Matthew that Jonah's three days and three nights in that fish would point us to Jesus, to Jesus who came and who lived and died and spent three days and three nights and rose again. It all pointed to Jesus, that salvation comes from God who so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Jonah learned that salvation comes from God. And this God is the same God who is today able to take away our sins and to exchange it for our righteousness, for his righteousness, to make us right with God, to save us from all sorts of distress and to save us ultimately from our sin, to save us from ourselves. It says that Jesus is the one who saves us from the wrath to come. God is a God who has wrath. He judges sin. He's not happy with our sin. 
but he's also a God who is merciful. More merciful than anyone could even fathom. Because he is so loving, so gracious, and he knows how much we need to be saved. And in control of all things and power, something only he could do, he made a way to be saved. He's made a way for you to be saved, for me to be saved. And Jonah, as he spit up again here on the shore after three days in that fish, has learned this. This is the kind of God he has who is so merciful, so loving that he would save him and that he would even save him so that he could preach this message of salvation to other people who didn't deserve it. The God who saved Jonah is the same God who saves today. He's the same God that can save you. And one person talks about how Jonah was in the deepest pits of hell. He was in the worst spot and God brought him to heaven. God changed his life entirely. And that's what God is in the business of doing, changing people, rescuing people, saving people from their greatest need. There are a lot of people who don't see their need for a savior. Jonah saw his need in the worst circumstances of his life. And he found that God is the savior who loves to save and who's so good to do it. Let's pray together. God, thank you for the truth that you are a God who saves. We thank you that you have uh, not given us what we deserve, but that you've given us uh, the chance to hear the truth that you are the one true Savior and that you freely offer salvation in your Son, Christ, by faith. Lord, I thank you that you have sent Christ and uh, that we have the opportunity to hear and to respond to the truth about who you are. I pray that these students would come to know you, Jesus, that they would find uh, the joy of uh, following you and of your forgiveness. God, thank you for exchange and thank you for allowing us to be together tonight. And we just pray for your uh, blessing on our small group time as well. And we love you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.